Welcome to the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algeman. Data is everywhere in our businesses, and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. Today on Data Leadership Lessons, we welcome Tarush Agarwal. Tarush is the founder and CEO of 5X, which offers data reporting as a service so users can make data-driven decisions faster, which are necessary to succeed. Previously, as the head of data at WeWork, Tarush scaled the system to support 12,000 employees, as well as 100 data team members. Tarush was also the first data engineer at Salesforce in 2011. Tarush is one of the world's leading experts in leveraging data for exponential growth. Tarush, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Anthony. Really excited to be here. And in, you're coming to us from Costa Rica. And in our pre-show, I saw this amazing place that you're at. I am in dreary Chicagoland right now, and it's just uh, abysmal. So you got to bring the good energy of the wonderful weather to us. So like um, like we do with all our first-time guests, why don't you just take a couple minutes, give us the story of your background, how yeah. like what you've done in your career has led you up to what you're doing now at 5X, and we'll kind of take it from there. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks so much for having me on the show. Really excited to chat. And uh, thank you for being patient while the, I know the pre-onboarding wasn't as, as easy as being in New York. So really appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, I come from, a, I come from a, a pretty technical background. Growing up, my mom ran an e-commerce business. So I was exposed um, to software engineering pretty early on. Uh, she jokes that I was you know, I'm so technical because she was she was teaching herself half of those things while she was pregnant with me. Um, so, you know, sort of figured out very early on computer science was my area. Got to go to Carnegie Mellon uh, and after college, got a job at Salesforce.com, Silicon Valley, and was super excited. And you know, I remember showing up to work on the first day and realizing very, very quickly that software engineering was not my cup of tea, that focusing on a you know, small feature for an extended period of time is super, super important, but just not something I was personally interested in. And more importantly, you know, software engineering had become an art form where the rules um, of best practices and how to do it were already established. So it was very much learning the rules, being able to play inside this well-crafted um, art form, if you may. And, you know, it didn't personally interest me. And, I, at that point, this was 2011, um, no one was really talking about data. And I got to, with the product manager, focus on um, you know, building this framework which allowed Salesforce to extract metrics from log files. Salesforce used this for, uh, for products like benchmarking, used it to figure out engagement of different customers, how they're using the Salesforce product. This later became the product analytics team. We've got hundreds of engineers on that team now. And, you know, before that, I moved on. Um, most recently, I, I got to join WeWork again pretty early on when the data team was of just a few people, helped scale that up to 100 plus people, jump-started data engineering, data platform, um, got to work on, um, our, our, got to lead our China platform efforts where we were doing a lot of cool stuff around machine learning and facial detection and all of these other cool things, which uh, ultimately never got to see light of day just because of the, uh, of the direction of the IPO at that time. But I found myself at the beginning of COVID, interestingly enough, in Bali, Indonesia, which is extremely different from Silicon Valley in New York. And, you know, taking some time off from the Valley helped me to you know, really understand what's happening in terms of data. 
and that that you know in the next 10 years every company is really going to need to invest more in data capabilities things like how are your customers using your product your go to market strategy what are your different segments what's your lifetime value um these are the type of use cases companies are going to start focusing on in the next 10 years and what's happening today is that 10% of the world or highly technical companies can really go do this so the way google and facebook and apple get value from data is very different from your typical series a company and what's happening is that the modern data stack is just becoming more and more and more sophisticated so all of a sudden you know we require a few data engineers just to stitch together the stack and all of a sudden we care about security and pii and gdpr and all of these other things so for every company which is just getting started for them to start from scratch is no longer really feasible so essentially started 5x to help 90% of companies get value from data in the same way top tech companies can do it um with with a with a much lower barrier to entry uh and that's really what uh i got super excited about and coincidentally that happened being in bali which is not a technical place at all uh but yeah that's a little bit of this up about my background in 5x Yeah, well and it's it's interesting because you've seen perspectives from fast growing kind of startup companies like WeWork and then Salesforce which is obviously pretty well established at this point and you've seen how Silicon Valley operates and and where there's so much emphasis on that software engineering side and a lot of the processes and the tools that people are using are so far advanced and then you go into the data space and you're like what is this this is dark ages comparatively yep do you have a, a hypothesis on why that is like how did we end up in this spot as far as you can tell yeah you know i think that's a great question and if you look at the data space it's much newer than software engineering right this this pretty much i think 2011 was the first year data engineers were recognized as a profession and the go to market strategy data employed is very much replicated software engineering where you build a technical product and you select your technical teams and that's typically you know what we have done in this space so far if you look at data versus software engineering data is a lot broader a lot more every business beyond some size should work should focus on how customers are using their product what to do with the go to market strategy so as a whole data is a lot broader than software engineering yet they've copied the go to market strategy of software engineering companies so it leads to this landscape where a lot of companies want to get value from data but really don't have the technical expertise or bandwidth to go really do it so we see a lot more companies just playing at tools like google analytics or maybe even something like a, a sort of tableau which is a very low level and they don't really have the right resources or expertise to be at the up level yeah you know and i think about it too where like we've had data for a long time and and i think it's a new area cuz data traditionally in the enterprise came from operations and operations while very important is kind of boring but creates a lot of data and so a lot of the early data work was because we had to manage the data being spun off from operations and so it was like we're we're receiving we're being reactionary we're catching that data I'm like 
yeah, we'll create some operational reports and we'll do some stuff. But but the notion of analytics to drive improvements or drive new, new innovations and opportunities in a business, that was so secondary and to the point where we didn't even bother with it until like we were pushing you know, well into the 2000s at least, right? And so outside of niche industries that were kind of predicated on that, I grew up in the financial industry where our traders were using advanced analytics you know, as early as anyone because they could get an edge in the trading place. So it, it actually directly tied to their business model. But yep. many of the organizations out there were just like, hey, we got to get our sales information. We've got to populate accounting stuff. And that's about it. Like, we know what we're doing. We're, we're going to look at operational metrics as, as incremental improvements as opposed to innovative improvements. But where I've seen software engineering influence data analytics, now we start to see, hey, there's really this convergence of those two areas in new and novel ways that everybody says today, like, hey, these are table stakes. Any business, even the smallest of the small businesses, need to have a data analytics capacity so that they can read the market, so that they can understand where is their opportunity? How do they find ways to grow their businesses at, at literally any size? And so it sounds to me like what 5X is doing is making that capability available to literally any businesses out there. Am I am I reading that right? Is that what it was that yeah. what you guys are doing? Yeah, that's totally what we're doing, but I think, you know, uh just a, on a side tangent, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head that every business now needs to do this and really that's happened for a few reasons. But if you look at it in the macro, you know, 5 10 years ago we were using much fewer platforms. You were using Gmail and that was calling and email and everything and you know, What's happening today is that the average startup is using 10 to 12 different data sources. All of a sudden, we like using Zoom for video and Slack for messaging and something else for, and you know, Stripe and Square for POS and Zendesk for tickets and Salesforce for a much smaller use case. What this means is that the analytics capabilities of each of these tools is becoming very limited because they have a much smaller sort of sliver uh, of data which they have access to. So this this inherent need to re-centralize data um, and answer holistic questions across it. So, you know, given that this is accelerated by these companies' analytics products, not really being able to answer holistic questions. Like, you know, five years ago when we were, when we were only using Facebook for ads, Facebook had a pretty good idea on your marketing spend and could give you pretty sophisticated insights. But now if we're using five tools, you can't compare Facebook analytics to Google analytics, apples to apples. So you need to ingest it into your own warehouse and make your own sense of it. So that, I think that's like, you know, the macro trend of what's happening. And this is a pretty technical trend. So before we get into the five the X thing, cause, cause yeah. it, it just reminded me when I was growing up, like all the old guys would say, you know, history keeps repeating itself. You're going to see these patterns come up over and over again. And now I'm one of the old guys. And, yeah. and so I'm like, dang it, this is exactly the same dynamic I've been talking about in business intelligence forever. And that is if you need data analytics from a particular one singular source, that singular source, that, that system is probably going to be fine at yep. giving you the analytics in that system alone. But the moment you need to start seeing the analytics across two, three, five, 12 different systems, you're going to need something that solves for the system, not just integrate each of the individual point solutions, because because they're not designed to do that. They're, they're, they're introspective. They're not 
overlaying uh, that analytics uh, need. And, and that's it's it's the same problem that we had with basic reporting 20, yeah. 30 years ago. You know? Yeah, spot on. And, you know, you're right. Salesforce would love for you to push metrics into Salesforce and have you, you know, build reporting on top of it. But it's not really built for that. It's built more as, you know, a relational data model. And, you, and it tries to, you know, force stuff into it. Um, and that's not, you know, you know, that, that, that's not quite where the industry is going or, the, or, the, or that's not a long-term solution on, on, you know, the best practice of how to go do it. Yeah. So, so tell me about 5X. Where did 5X come from in terms of its origin story and what are you trying to, to serve and differentiate yourself in the marketplace to do? Absolutely. So, you know, 5X came with the realization that they are a small subset of companies which are getting exponentially more value from data than others. And these companies are technical in background, but what they really have is they're able to have these large platform teams which spin together the modern data stack, which sort of stitch it together. So, you know, you have five layers in the modern data stack, data collection, ingestion, storage, modeling, reporting. Each of them today have a billion dollar player. So if you're a startup looking to get started, you have to go sign five enterprise contracts, probably spend months trying to stitch together the stack. On top of it now, stakeholders want to consume data in different ways. You have BI users who want to slice and dice, and analysts who want to run experimentation, and ML engineers who want to run their models. On top of this, we now care about GDPR and PAI and security and all of these different things. So it's non-trivial for companies to go build this from scratch every time unless it's really inside their DNA, right? So they end up either hacking it together or, you know, hiring an engineer, but spending more than half of their time building the stack and maintaining it. And that's just not competitive anymore. The, the big companies have the luxury of having, you know, 10, 20 engineers sort of doing this. Mm -hmm. So 5X came from the idea that, you know, how do we make it very, very, very simple for these 90% of companies to really get the same level of value from data as some of the bigger companies? So, you know, the first thing we do is think of us as that large platform team where, you know, we are, we are working with the best in class providers across those five layers of the stack. We integrate it in, you get security, PII, GDPR compliance, all of those things for free. But more interestingly, um, you know, as you have niche use cases like pushing data back into application tools, what we call reverse ETL, or how we do data lineage or observability, which is becoming a huge area, or running machine learning models, for all of these different vendors, you don't need to figure out what's the best tool out there. How do you integrate those tools? We do that for you. We figure out the billing. We work with all of these vendors and have backend billing. So you get you know one touch, one-click integrations with the best-in-class tools, you get direct backend billing as a single platform. So on day one itself, you are extremely productive. The platform is ready. It's almost like you had your own large platform team stitching it together. So that's the first thing we do. And we also have a service where, you know, currently we're interviewing about 100 engineers a day, fully automatically, um, you know, about 80% automatically in India, less than 2% of it, less than 2% of them make it through our interview process. And then because we control the stack, we can pre-train these engineers on the stack. Mm -hmm. And we give you these engineers who become an extension of your team. And, you know, 
the infrastructure plus the engineers, what this means is you really get everything you need to run a comprehensive data strategy. And 5X companies end up using data to make decisions in the first one month of, of, of sort of starting an engagement. Whereas if you try to go do this yourself, spend a few months to hire engineers, sort of figure out what stack you want to use, sign those enterprise contracts, spin together that stack, it's really at least a year before you're making decisions. Um, it's it's an interesting model because it, I think it starts to address some of the big challenges that I see in the marketplace right now with, if you're a startup, it can be very difficult, even just the, the hiring process to get data engineers, you know you're gonna need them full time, you know you're gonna need a certain amount of capacity to be able to handle the information loads that you're gonna have, but, it's very difficult to create an attractive job posting and to, you know, attract a, a data engineer, a capable one or an architect in to your small business, unless, you know, you, if you can convince them to chase the dream of, you know, the IPO and the, you know, the big payday and what have you, that sometimes works. But I think that people today, especially data engineers, tend to gravitate towards more stable, um, environments. And I think that if you can solve for data engineering consulting, which is effectively what you're doing by creating that ability to recruit and hire talented people that can then be deployed to your clients, it, it expands what your service offering is capable of doing while recognizing that traditional project-based consulting models aren't really sufficient for the kind of constant load that a data engineering component would typically have. Would, would yeah. you agree with what I've said? Yeah, totally. You know, we don't see ourselves as a typical consultant company who comes and does, you know, a short term project. Um, typical consulting companies, again, start from scratch, right? Every new engagement, whether you're an in-house team or a consultant, you really start from scratch. And typical consultants come in short term, they might set up the warehouse, or they might focus on your first use cases. We, also, we see ourselves as a long-term replacement for your data engineering needs, right? Typical 5X companies are looking at us long-term. Um, they have, you know, they want to get value from data. They don't know kind of how to go do this. It's really time for that core data stack, how you collect data, ingest it, model it, structure it, report it. It's really time for that part of the stack to be commoditized. And when companies want to hire data hires, they now want to hire data scientists and analysts who can focus on the high levels of the stack, which is your competitive advantage, which is where you can build data products or build models and really use that as an advantage. They have no advantage in doing the core stuff. They just need to go do it. And what we're showing now is we can just do it faster, cheaper, and higher quality than you can do it in-house or work with a consultant company. And, you know, we aren't replacing data teams. We're not, we're not making data teams obsolete. We're just having them focus on the higher levels of the stack, which is really where they want to be focusing on, right? Like I, I sort of read the study that 80% of data scientists today spend time ingesting data and cleaning it and modeling it. And that's not what they want to be doing. Um, and we can just do it right now, um, you know, because of this platform we've built and stitched it together and because we can hire really smart engineers in India and then pre-train them on the best, on the modern day best practices. Um, you know, we're, we, we see ourselves as, you know, 50% platform, 50% services. And together, uh, we, uh, our goal is really how do we commoditize this layer and just do it as a service across any, you know, sort of series A, early stage company, but also, you know, about, about 
20% of our companies right now are, you know, Fortune 500 companies, public companies. Uh, they're non-technical. So think of, you know, the McDonald's, Burger Kings, or like the large liquor companies of the world where they might have used Accenture in the past, but realized that Accenture is not a long-term solution towards owning your data stack. And now we can just do it as a service far more effectively and far more cost-effectively um, sort of for them. Yeah, well, and, and I think in, in having spent a fair amount of time in large organizations, you know, the, the traditional consulting model is very expensive and isn't particularly well suited to these set of challenges. Yeah. And I think about, you know, from that recruiting perspective, even if you wanted to, getting people to say, hey, I'm, I'm at McDonald's and, you know, great global organization, but not necessarily the first place the top tech talent is thinking of going to work. Right there, there, it's there's there's a, a added challenge when the places that people want to be tend to be the technology companies themselves, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Silicon Valley companies that are building out the technologies. That's those are the people who are going to get the highest talent. But if I'm McDonald's, I don't want to settle for second tier, and so I've got a gap there that's going to be difficult to fill. Yeah. The other thing that you were talking about, uh, really. Uh, got me thinking is that, you know, so my audience knows, like, I'm all about data leadership. Data leadership is my thing. That's what I do. That's what my book is on. That's what the podcast is about. And I think about the, the fundamentals of data leadership are really about having a business do something different as a result of the insights it gets from data. So data, analytics, technology, it doesn't really matter. It's all about improving business outcomes. So how am I driving an increase in revenue, a decrease in cost, better risk management? That's really it. And when I think about what matters in that, it's the decision and the action of the business. Everything precursor to that, the analytics of the data, the, the data warehousing, the modeling. I have a question for you around data modeling in a minute. But the uh, all of that heavy lifting on the data stuff isn't to your point, like it's not a competitive advantage. It's table stakes. It's stuff everybody has to do. And if you can solve for that most efficiently and most cost effectively, working with the top talent wherever you can source it and focus your internal energies as an organization with those people who have to know your business from the inside, because yeah. that's where the business decisions get made. You can connect up this massive power of data analytics without trying to recreate it in every business business that exists out there. And that's, I think, a, it's an important lesson for those those students of data leadership to yeah. say, what is the competitive advantage for me? If I'm a trading firm, maybe the analytics and the stack because of the speed and latency competitive threat, maybe that is part of your core business. But sure. if you are a CPG firm, you are not competing on most of that stack. You're getting to that last one or two parts of that life cycle. Yeah. for it to actually matter for your business competitively. So what, yeah. what's your reaction to that? Would you, would you, do you agree with that or what, what, yeah. what else would you say to it? No, I 100% I agree with it. You know, the legwork is just something you have to do. It was the cost of admission towards eventually figuring out the higher levels of the stack where you have your competitive advantage, which is your insights, your strategy pieces, decision-making, all of that stuff. And data engineering and ingesting modeling data was just the cost of admission. And, you know, what's happening now is, it's just becoming so much more clear how effective this model is. Like we just had one of our first few case studies which showed that we were 20 to 25 times cheaper than a consultant coming in and doing it. And we did more with one engineer in three months 
than they did with five engineers in six months. And it fundamentally comes from two different areas. And the, the, the main one is we don't start from scratch, right? On day one, you get the infrastructure ready to go. And that takes companies you know, six months by itself. And what that also means is companies have to maintain it. Whereas in the 5X model, you know, we have a large platform team doing this. So, you know, what's a big focus for us in the next six months is data observability and data lineage. But as soon as we figure out what the right vendor is and the direction we want to go, all of our customers get it for free. And, you know, that is serious engineering manpower if you try to go do it yourself. And, the, and you know, the, I think the more interesting piece which you sort of touched on is top talent historically has wanted to go work for Google and, and top tier sort of companies. And, you know, what we're really seeing is that talent is now also a little bit fed up of being one of 50 data engineers in Infosys or in Accenture or, you know, even in a top tech company because your, your relative marginal impact starts to dwindle. What, what really happens in the 5X model is that you know, because of our platform, a relatively mid-level engineer is just capable of doing so much more. And we solve for that problem that, you know, most businesses today, if they hire a data hire, they don't speak data and the data hire doesn't speak business. And they don't really have a good way of working well together. And hence, the company needs to get this a certain size, really higher data leadership. And only at that point are they able to really work with your mid-level engineer. Finally, the data leadership acts like that translator. In the 5X model, you know, the process by which we work with the company makes it very clear of, you know, what we need from the company and what the engineer needs to do in order to add value. So in some ways, you know, the, think of us as that translator between having hiring engineering talent and actually effectively communicating with the company and helping the company hit their business decisions. Because, you know, at the end of the day, no one hires data for the sake of building a data team. It's always a means to optimize the business. Yeah. And what I'm extremely bullish on is this idea of, you know, with the 5X platform, with this process we've built on helping engineers work with businesses, you know, a single data engineer is able to go into a company and really add so much more value by being in a more diverse environment where they bring data skills to the table, which the company really needs. And being in the same room as the decision maker and the CEO and, and the chief product officer, instead of being one of 50, you know, being, being a 50% data team at a larger company where they are optimizing one query or like running you know, one small part, one small level of one small segment of a product. So, you know, it's just some, I believe that with our model, a lot of data engineers are very quickly, are very excited with what we're doing. And the idea being that their skill sets are so much more valued and appreciated in companies um, that are just at that right size. It's, it's almost like you're, you're able to create 
a, an environment or, or an opportunity for those data engineers to have a, a massive arsenal at their disposal. Like they're they're you're creating like I don't want to use the term super soldiers because it's not quite what I'm going for, but they're they're able to come in and I have this vision of like the Iron Man uh, costume or something like the 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 mechanical suit is that they're able to do so much more than a single individual typically would be because they have the surroundings of this platform that 5x has created so that they can do so much but you still have to have that connection point to what's unique in that business and so your model is is to put them with that business and to have that that the best part of consulting is coming in and, and personalizing for that organization what that organization particularly needs when i when i was doing consulting um more frequently i always said the patterns are easy. I've been doing this a long time. I can see the patterns immediately. What I try to home in on is what makes this company unique. What What is the problem that this company has that is different than every other company I've seen? Because if I can get to that, we've got it figured out. Like that is the part of the solution. Like you can solve any problem. Yep. You have to understand the problem at that level. And the only way you can do that is to recognize all of that platform, all of that power that 5X delivers to those data engineers is an important part, but not the entire solution. It's that human who can really look at that uniqueness yeah. that becomes that critical link in 5X, really helping that organization achieve everything it can uh, yeah. achieve. You know, I, I was very much in, you know, getting started as a data engineer when it was recognized as a profession. And I remember Maxim, um, the, uh, the the guy who built Airbnb wrote this super famous article because it was called the rise of the data engineer. And that was such an inspiring, that was such an inspiring article, which sort of spoke about this new field, which is data engineering and how every company is going to really need it. And, you know, in some ways, like what we are building, if you look at 5X and the people we're hiring, right, we hire data engineers. And our goal is really how do we commoditize this and offer it as a mass market service to help, you know, any business at that stage where they need this. So it's, you know, I really do resonate with your analogy of, you know, solving all of those sort of all of those challenges in data engineering today and really giving them superpowers so that we can start to embed them across all of these businesses globally and give them the right tools and give the companies the right tools to work with these engineers because the skill set they bring in terms of data hygiene data quality building the, the sort of building the right foundations for you to really leverage data for your for your for your top of funnel metrics and your your sort of, your sort of top of funnel insights is extremely critical and something which just every business is going to need in the next 10 years and the businesses which are unable to do it just won't be able to compete because when your competition is able to understand that it's go to market strategy and how customers are using your product if you're unable to do it you know we, we sort of saw this in digital marketing 10 years ago with with the rise of google and companies that don't do digital marketing today don't exist anymore right like they just we don't hear of them because they're gone the same thing is happening in data. It's 10 years later and history has sort of showed us what happened with the companies that didn't get into digital marketing. The companies that don't get into data now just won't exist 10 years from now. I completely agree. And, and I think that 
the barriers to entry for data are so low. Like the the amount that you can do with very limited investment is tremendous now. And and that's raised that minimum kind of table stakes level of like if you just want to compete, if you want to exist, there's a certain amount that you that you just have to do. And and so I feel like I, I have to just be in full disclosure to the audience out there and to you is is I grew up as a data engineer, like probably more so than anything I would consider the core of my career started as being a data engineer. And so this is all very close to my heart. And it's great because I could like 20 years ago, I could have told you I'm like data engineers, we need more respect. And so now we're finally at this point where we yeah. can see in the marketplace where this value proposition has become understood and, and realized and that successful businesses focused in this what could be considered a relatively narrow band of the entire value proposition of an organization. It is now clear that that's an incredibly important part of that that value chain. So speaking as one data engineer to another. I promised that I had a question for you around data modeling. And, and this takes us in a little bit of a different direction, but I have to ask you anyway, because there's only so many guests that I can ask this question to. Is data modeling dead? Like, have we, is data modeling still relevant today? Because I think there's a many organizations out there, especially when you think of things like Tableau or these other tools that try to blur what used to be very distinct lines between different parts of that data lifecycle. There's there's an ability to do so much with the technology that some of the fundamentals of modeling data or creating um, you know abstractions from the data sources in ways that can connect to the business. I think some of that has certainly diminished in attention, despite what we were just talking about with data engineering being recognized as super important. I see them moving in a little bit of a different direction, and I want to see what what's your take on the situation of data modeling today. Yeah, you know, I think I think data modeling is more important than ever, and what we are seeing is with a lot of these tools like Tableau and these BI tools, which can directly connect to your source systems and give you a level of insights is those are great starter tools to get started when you don't have these capabilities. But if, unless you, you know, if you don't have that clean, distinct data modeling layer, which is separate from your raw data layer, then what starts happening is your for any new analysis or inside these tools, you're starting to have application logic inside of them, which means that Tableau has now got some sort of application logic on top of your raw data, which is what you report on. Mm -hmm. If you surface this data back to your customers, you have another copy of it, you start having a massive fan out problem. And every time you want to change one metric, you now have to change it in 10 different places. And that is, you know, just like in software engineering, we have debt, we have tech debt, this is data debt. And that's, you know, very, very significant. And it's just like building a skyscraper, right? You have to build, you have to dig up the earth and build a foundation if you want to build a skyscraper. Now, if you are serious about getting value from data, you know, ignoring your data modeling layer and directly and going, you know, going back to your raw data directly, you know, allows you to build a few stories, but you, you're not really going to be able to go build a skyscraper if you ignore your data modeling layer. So, you know, in a world where we now want to go higher and higher and more, you know, upstream in terms of this pyramid, you know, using kind of Maclow's pyramids of needs for data, you know, data collection, ingestion, storage, modeling, reporting, um, experimentation, and then ML, 
you choose to ignore your data modeling layer, it becomes really hard to eventually focus on data science and all of those areas because you just have all of this tech debt uh, in the middle of your pyramid, which becomes very expensive to maintain. I, I completely agree with you, and and I'm, I was hoping that that was the direction that you were going to go in. Um, and and I and I use the analogy. I like the analogy of of creating that skyscraper. I think it's it's you know the the classic analogy is is creating this house, and it's not about a house anymore. It's about creating the skyscraper. It's a it's a um, analogy we've been using um, in my circles for a little while, and and I, I think it works really well. So I, I'm I'm thrilled to hear you uh, talk about that. Um, I also would argue that I think that sometimes you can see symptoms of the lack of certain capabilities in other areas. I would argue that the lack of data modeling has led to a lot of challenges when it comes to master or reference data in, in organizations, because the lack of modeling on the front end creates what ends up being duplicate copies and variant copies of different sets of data that should be managed more collectively. And if you don't have decent data modeling, you're not going to have decent master data or reference data management. Yeah. And so you start to see these things trickle out in, into big problems, because if, yeah. if you don't solve for that, you, you've got challenges to reconcile data that needs to, to work across different systems. 100%. I think, you know, um, I refer to that as a, having a single source of truth, and you know, not having a uh, not having a single a single modeling layer which powers then BI, machine learning, all of these other uh, all of these other layers, leads to having multiple sources of truth. And very practically, multiple sources of truth is probably the worst thing for companies because what happens is that finance looks at a number and sales looks at a number, and these numbers don't match. And for a data team, you know you lose all opportunity at that point to explain that we were copying the data in two different data, in two different data sources and then finance went ahead and changed some of those numbers on an Excel spreadsheet and sales the same. Hence, those two numbers don't match. You never get an opportunity to come out of that. You, you know, at that point, it instantly just becomes the numbers don't match, we don't trust the data team and every department becomes their own gatekeeper. And those are tricky, tricky problems to really come out of. And it all comes back to you know having a consistent data modeling layer which is agreed on and then the businesses you know using that single source of truth and if anyone wants to change it not changing it directly but actually changing it inside the single source of truth you know for people in the data space this seems really you know fundamental and i love the fact that you sort of brought this up but given what you know modern tools allow us to bypass this and get to insights directly um, these symptoms sort of surfaces sort of actually surface in these in these other ways and at that point you know companies feel extremely helpless in in being able to execute their own data strategies I, you're right. And, and that, that notion of data trust, right, that comes back to when we talked about data leadership and how it's about driving action. Well, if you don't trust the data, if you don't trust these analytics that you're getting, you're not going to take new action based on them. And then you're going to kind of wither away the entirety of that argument that, that you made earlier around, hey, every organization needs this data analytics capability to drive these actions, to drive these innovations. Well, if you don't trust them, if you have them, it's just as bad as not having them at all. So this is literally the lack of data modeling can be traced to businesses that will fail. 
I think is what we've just strung together. And I, and I think it's that important uh, because that data trust is so incredibly essential to getting people to take action based on that, especially when that action that, it, that the data suggests yeah. may run counter to their intuition. And that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. You know, I, I think this, you know, this is a great example of something which comes with experience, right? Like something like how to set up a data modeling stack and what, a, and what happens when this is not done correctly. What we're seeing is that the, just the data stack, like these best practices are no longer just in modeling, but they're also in how we ingest data. Like, you know, five years ago, companies were building their own pipelines and ingesting data themselves. And today, mm -hmm. you know, if you do that, you're just not going to be able to focus on the other areas and using, you know, fully managed data pipeline and ELT makes so much more sense. And we see these kind of best practices across all of the layers, right? All the way from data collection, how you fire events in the front end, how do you track that? We see it in the ingestion layer, you know, the average startup, as I said, has 10 to 12 different data sources, mapping that into your, stock, into your storage, how you store data in raw, in your raw layer, how you build this uh, data modeling layer, and then how does the data modeling layer feed into reporting or machine learning, and what are the best practices there? Where do you have application logic? You know, going back to the first thing I said is the modern data stack is becoming really complicated. And, you know, these are super nuanced things which no longer make sense for you to go to yourself, right? We saw that with marketing where, you know, five years ago, we realized that just posting a picture on Instagram is no longer marketing. And that if you really want to do digital marketing, you know, bring in experts who really know how to do it. And, you know, that same analogy is with like, it, it just doesn't make sense in, in our opinion for, for like companies to go focused on all of these areas. Um, this it's so nuanced and the ROI of it is just having a, a modeling layer, which you then anyway need to build on top of when it comes to decision-making or, or insights or, or sort of machine learning. Yeah, that, I think that's an excellent point. And so we're, we're running out of time. I want to ask you one more question. So to, you know, to quote a, a statement I first heard at an agile conference, I think, many years ago, is that as as difficult and as complex and as massive as the data volumes and the complexity and everything that we're dealing with is today, it's never going to get easier than it is now. And so as we look towards the future, what do you see evolving and coming next in like the next five or 10 years of, of in this space? Where do you see it going? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think in the last five years, the understanding on what the modern data stack is, right, across these five layers, which I keep talking about, data collection, ingestion, modeling, uh, data collection, ingestion, storage, modeling, reporting, has become fairly well understood, right? Who are the best players over there? We now have $5 billion players across each of these spaces. Um, what, you know, what I see happening over the next few years is, is layer six to 10, start to get more predefined, right? And these areas like reverse ETL, taking these insights from the warehouse, pushing it back into your source systems, data observability, or, or sort of lineage where uh, being able to track these different data sources, um, just to make sure that if a job fails, how do we rerun them? Or just knowing where they come from, having metadata around them. Areas like machine learning, obviously, is, is gonna be a big one. Mm -hmm. I think, 
you know, the best practices of what are the billion dollar players across each of these stacks and really how do they fit into the modern day data stack become, you know, extremely relevant. I think what we're seeing in uh, Matt Turk's State of Data 2021, which is something I really enjoy reading, also help validate is that companies today want the flexibility. They don't want to be locked into one platform. So the Amazon's or the Google, you know, ecosystem is not that compelling. Companies want to use Snowflake for storage and they want to use DBT and they want to use Fivetran. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of innovation in these micro layers, not micro layers, but, you know, a single layer instead of platformizing four or five layers at a time. And I think, you know, the, the, I think the next few layers and the, and, the, uh, and the vendors across those layers becomes more and more and more standardized and you know we start you know this starts to emerge uh, a sort of winner across some of these different layers so as layers you know six to ten and you know at this point it's no longer hierarchical you know after the data modeling layer it all kind of becomes in parallel right you do reporting in parallel with machine learning in parallel with reverse ctl so not really six to ten in terms of the hierarchical structure but the next parallel layers uh, or you know, of use cases sort of start to emerge as trends. And I think one of those layers uh, is what 5X is focused on is really assembling the data stack. You know, uh, this, is going to be, this is going to become another layer as the data stack becomes so much more complicated and you realize we need, we need 10 different vendors. Uh, they, you know, we, we strongly believe this is going to be this room of a company like us which sort of standardizes and gives it to you as a single offering. That's one area which obviously we're extremely bullish on, uh, but there are going to be more and more layers over there. And for the layers which have now been established, we're going to start to find um, we're going to, we, we, we are start going to find winners and sort of de facto champions of those layers, which kind of come emerge and, and start to uh, sort of mass market scale in, in sort of in those in those areas. You know, every now and then, as a podcast host, you you thank yourself for asking the question that you asked, and that was one of those times. That was awesome. Like, I, I really like the way you characterize some of these additional layers, and I think you're right. I think you're absolutely spot on with where this likely heads because we've seen patterns of maturity, and I was thinking, like, the accordion expands and contracts, and we see these repeating cycles, but I totally agree. I think that you're going to see more clearer stages of that evolution of data and, and, and subsequent to those five stages that exist today. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I think great, great insights to close the show with. And, and we're definitely out of time now. So Tarush, thank you so much for being on the show with us. I really appreciate it. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it was so fun. It was so fun chatting with you today morning. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us today. You'll find more information and links in the show notes. Dive deeper with my book at dataleadershipbook.com and use promo code AlgmanDL at the Dataversity Online Training Center for 20% off your first purchase. And if you enjoy our show and would love your own but don't know where to start, visit algman.com to learn how we make having your own video podcast as easy as joining a call and sending an email. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact. 